for a moment. But Dad, if you just turn on those lights as we go to our announcements this morning. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. We want to welcome everyone who's uh, here today, those watching online. Uh, we got several things we need to announce this morning. And Amen. One of those things is everyone that's here, uh, we do have the new church calendars out. So on the back in the foyer, we ask that each family just pick up one per household until we get into January. That make sure everyone could get one, uh, every family could. There's scriptures. So what I like about it this year, they have Spanish and English on the same one. So if you ever wanted to learn Spanish, it's it's uh, it's Rosetta Stone Christian Fellowship Church style. Yeah, <laughs> you can learn. Amen. So I just want to encourage you pick you one of those up in the back. Amen. Uh, again, just want to. Remind everyone, we are in phase two, uh, again, of a COVID protocol. Uh, so we do ask that everyone use hand sanitizer when you come in. Uh, if you, uh, uh, we ask that you uh, practice social distancing and all the things. Uh, again, it is uh, serious, getting serious again. We're hoping they're not going to uh, make churches go down to less people than it is. The, I thank the governor right now that he said, you know, we can still stay at 75% uh, capacity, but that is as long as we social distance and things. Again, we do not live in fear, okay? Well, uh, what we're saying is that we don't live in fear, but we are to use wisdom and be wise, okay? I hope every single one of you in here, if you were going to cross the highway, you would look both ways before you cross the street. And why you do that? Because you know there things could happen to you. It's not that you don't trust God that... You know, oh, I have so much faith, I'm just going to walk across the street without looking. We don't do that, right? We, we know there's something going around, so use sanitizer. Again, the uh, hospital down here announced that they're getting overwhelmed with the cases. So please stay safe, wear a mask when you're out in public around people, sanitize and practice social distancing. Amen? 
Amen. There we go. Amen. So, again, we just want to ask you to stay connected, uh, those of you watching online. Uh, my wife has been working hard on the church website. Uh, in your bulletin, you're going to see this little logo. You could scan it with your uh, camera on your cell phone, and it'll take you to all these places. Uh, church website is... Uh, she has been working on it, and it's more fluid, easier to uh, navigate through, and more better links. Like if you want to watch the videos, it's easier to do it now. Uh, it goes on Facebook, stays up to date. Uh, prayer requests, it, it'll bring you to prayer requests. We do ha have added a prayer wall also on our website. So we have prayer requests. When you do a prayer request, it automatically emails that prayer request to those people in the church that are on the prayer team. But the prayer wall one will actually just post it on, on the Facebook, on the website page where everyone could see it. So, you know, it, it's up, up there and everyone could pray. So uh, you can listen to the latest sermons. You could give online. And we also have our YouTube channel. Again, last week, I asked you to please go to YouTube and subscribe to our uh, uh, channel. I think only three people did. I was hoping we'd get to 30 people. So we need at least two people this week. Go to YouTube and sign up. Uh, things that uh, so you can watch all right so again just stay up to date with us on that uh, new generations children's church that's ages six through seven we'll be showing their uh, morning service they're in it right now uh, premiering tonight on their web on their facebook page at 7 p.m uh, also uh, announcement our wednesday evening since we're in phase two right now for at least the month of december we're going to dismiss our wednesday night services um we don't usually have them the week of Christmas and New Year's to begin with, so we're just going to go ahead through, throughout phase two and dismiss uh, the uh, Wednesday night service. We are supposed to have a water baptism on Wednesday, December 30th. Right now, I'm still going to do that as long as things don't get worse. So, But what I need you to do is if you um, already filled out an application for that night, I need you to contact me to let me know that you're still doing it. Uh, that night. So we, I, I don't want to fill up the water baptism and never, nobody shows up that filled out old applications. So, uh, or actually fill out a new application there in the back table for that night. Amen. So just want to wish anyone having a birthday this week a happy birthday. If you're having a birthday between now and next Sunday, raise your hand. Just want to say happy birthday. No one here? Troy? Yeah, Troy, is yours today? On the 8th. Okay, I didn't remember if it was the 6th or the 8th. Happy birthday to Troy on the 8th. All right. Anyone else? All right. Anybody at home, we just want to say happy birthday to you. What about anniversaries? Anyone have an anniversary this week? Between now and next time? All right. Now, how many years? 21 years. Congratulations. <clears throat> Amen. Anyone at... Oh, I don't know. I thought, I thought you waved your hand again. I knew you were... We just had an anniversary. Amen. <laughs> All right, so uh, again, anyone have an anniversary at home, we want to wish you happy anniversary. What we're going to do this morning is uh, pick up our tithes and offerings as we get started here today. I just want to encourage you to continue your giving. Uh, those that watch online, we just want to let you know, too, that uh, if you want to help support this ministry, you can give online. Uh, there are several ways you can give. Uh, it's not free to do this. Uh, we, we spend several almost $1,000 a year to be able to have all the stuff to stream online for you. So it does cost to stream online, uh, but we want to keep doing that. So you could give, go to welcometocfc.com and give on there. 
again, scan that little app. You, you could do that. Or you can mail it in to Post Office Box 1027, La Rosa, Louisiana, 70373. And I always like to say, what's the best way to give is being here, that you could give. Amen. Amen. So glad to see everybody here. So what we're going to do is read uh, our offering scriptures for this morning. They're found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It says this, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in your complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled uh, in you, see that you also excel in, the, in this grace of giving. And 2 Corinthians 9, 5 says, So I thought it necessary to urge you, brothers, to visit you in advance and to finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Amen. So let's stand to our feet right now and hold your offering in your right hand. Repeat after me this morning. Say, as I give in today's offering, as I, give in today's offering I give willingly, and joyfully. and joyfully. We are made rich, are made rich in, every way, in every way in order to be generous, to be generous on, every on every occasion. I have no regrets, have no regrets for being generous. For being generous. <laughs> I have no intention, have no intention of, going back of going back to being selfish, to being selfish or, stingy. or stingy. I give today, I give today. with absolute joy and being a generous giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Along the front here, we have three baskets that we'll ask you just to come uh, down in a minute and place your offering in the basket. Again, practice in social distancing. Please keep six uh, feet in between each and every one of you. So if, as the list begins play, playing, let's just come bring your offering in one of the baskets. One more quick announcement before we have our call to worship. Uh, on Wednesday, December 23rd, Wednesday, December 23rd, uh, I got a phone call that they're uh, looking for people to help with a Christmas angel uh, program they got going on on the Baya. They have all the gifts bought already. What they're looking for is people to help go deliver. They're, so what we're going to do is on that Wednesday, we'll meet somewhere uh, as I get more information and uh, we'll give each person maybe five uh, things to go deliver to someone's house and just uh, bless them. All the gifts are bought. They just had an overwhelming amount this year, and they're looking for more people to help deliver. So if you're interested on Wednesday, uh, December 23rd, of helping deliver uh, the packages to needy families, uh, please uh, see me after church, and we'll get that information. All right? Amen. So let's get ready to worship the Lord this morning. Our call to worship for December is found in Psalms 47, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Clap your hands, all you nations, and shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. Father, we just come to you right now. 
Father, we turn this service over to you right now, Father God. We ask, Father, that you move in this place, Father God, that you touch the lives of each and every person here today and each and every person in the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone shouts, Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and worship the Lord.
the shadows, I see your head, and I believe what you say, that you're not done with me. Thank you. 
Come on. Pour your affection on Him. Pour your adoration on Him. He is holy. He is holy. Oh, He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. presence, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Father, when everything seems to be falling around in our lives, Father, we turn our eyes to you, Jesus. When everything seems to be broken, Lord, we turn our eyes to you, Jesus. Just begin to praise you. We just begin to praise you. We begin to see a victory. As we praise, we begin to see victory. enemy would have us forget all the good things you've already done in our lives. But we're just going to begin to remember right now. Father, by your spirit, we're going to begin to remember all the good things you've already done in our lives. We're going to begin to thank you. And we're going to begin to worship you for the God that you are. Lord Jesus, you are our hope. Lord Jesus, you are our peace. So it doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to do right now, Father. You are greater. And Father, help your church remember that you are greater. We praise you. Just begin to praise him this morning. Begin to praise him. We serve a God who is worthy of all praise. So let every voice in this house this morning just begin to praise God and worship Him. And just let everyone remember that He has already done great things in your life. Praise you, Jesus. And all throughout my history, Faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made wait for spring. And every season, 
See you. 
Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. Come on. Clap your hands. Lift your voices to the Lord this morning. Father, we worship you here today. We praise you here today. We give you praise, Lord, for all that you've done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone shouts, Amen, Amen. amen. As you could be seated, we want to go ahead and dismiss our three, four, and five-year-olds. Um, and on that note, I just want to mention uh, all the children's classes, ages 12 and under, uh, we are checking their temperatures when they go in the classroom. And if your child would have a temperature, we do ask that you take them home. Not, not, uh, don't bring them in, in the, with the older people. Uh, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say older people. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, the other day, I forget what it was I was saying about, you know, that it says the elderly people are more prone to uh, going uh, with COVID and things. And I started talking about that. Then I realized I'm about to be 54. I'm kind of close to those elderly people too. As, as you get older, mature people, that's a better way to say it. <laughs> those that had many birthdays. Amen. 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 So again, just want to remind you. So if, if you have children, uh, their temperature will be taken. And uh, if they are running a fever, we do ask that you just bring them back home. Okay. All right. So, uh, if you would, you could take out your notes today, and we're reading from uh, a message uh, that I wanted to share. Last week, we had done a message called Real Hope, True Hope, uh, about that Jesus says, uh, the, the Bible says about Jesus, that our, if our hope in him is in this life only, we among men are most miserable. Now, we know that yet Jesus is beyond what God done through Jesus is beyond what uh, this world only. In this world, we will have trials, we will have tri tribulations, we will have many things. But he says, take heart, he has overcome the world. Amen. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this service this morning. Father, I just come to you right now. Father God, I lift up every person uh, within the sound of my voice right now, Father. I just pray, Father God, as we study your word this morning, Father God, Father, that you'd open the eyes of every blind person, that we could see the truth, Father God, of your word. Open our ears that we could hear the, the spiritual truths of your word. Prepare our hearts to receive your word in our hearts, Father. And most of all, Father God, I just pray that if anyone in the sound of my voice does not know you, does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that today would be the day, Father God, that they would accept Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. Again, we're going to have communion at the end of service uh, today. I just want to share a little something. It, it ties in with communion, Christmas, and everything. And we're in December, which we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was thinking about, you know, that the whole Bible, communion, the birth of Jesus Christ is all could be summed up as an invitation from God. Think about that. An invitation from God. God has constantly been inviting everyone. Since the beginning of time, since when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God began the process of inviting or restoring 
a relationship with man back with him. And he has been inviting people back. Symbolically here in the natural, the, the, the bread, the, the grape juice represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And what is that? That's the invitation. See, an invitation is a formal request to have somebody attend or participate in something. And God has sent throughout history, always had an open invitation for man to return to him. And, and as we, we, we talk about these things this morning, that, that's what I want to share on and focus on this morning. And I don't know why my glasses are fogging up today. I can't see with them and I can't see without them. We're in trouble right now. So I want you to understand that an invitation means what? It's a formal request. Now, why do you send somebody an invitation? Do you send somebody an invitation because you don't want them to accept it? No. If you didn't want them to, to show up to whatever event you're having, you wouldn't invite them. Right? So an invitation is sent with the desire or the will of the person sending the invitation is that person's will or desire that you would accept the invitation presented to you. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. Has God has always been inviting people to restore a relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. That we, it was far beyond what we could do, far beyond uh, our abilities. Jesus said about salvation, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So I just want to read a couple of verses as we get started today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. As for you, point to yourself, you, me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were dead and we could not be in the presence of God. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. But God says, I don't want it that way. I want you to be in eternity with God. He talks about this world that we're just sojourners in this world, the Bible says. That means we're just passing through. You know, we're just passing through. Uh, we're going to use some scriptures later on this morning I'm going to mention about that when you think about God, one of the things we miss is that God is an infinite God, but we are finite beings. And by finite beings, we go by, we've got a clock on the wall. Why? Because Time is important to us. Time sets things an hour. You know, this is going to be an hour. This is that. But God's infinite. And time is not what, what he experienced. And in his presence is not what you experience. The Bible tells us with God, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like a day. Think about that. That with God, it seems the same amount of time. A thousand years in our time may seem like a day with him. A day with him could be a thousand years of what we experience here on earth. And, and I always, that always makes me think about, you know, how a lot of times we say, oh, the Lord's coming back soon. Well, to God, it may be tomorrow. But with us, it could be a thousand years. Or it could seem like a thousand years to us, but it's just a day with the Lord. So we never know when, when he's coming back. The Bible even tells us that, that no man knows the hour. But all I can tell you is that we're one week closer than we were last week. Right? And we are to live ready. But, but we understand that 
we have all sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. And I want to read, uh, this isn't in your notes, but I'll put it on the screen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter of uh, Isaiah 53. I thought about it, but uh, I'm going to put that as your homework assignment. It, it goes through the, uh, Christ and things uh, through his whole life. Notice what it says in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. See, this is part of the invita invitation because our sin, and, and what he's talking about here, and, and again, in some uh, translations it says about he was bruised for our iniquities and uh, we are he by his stripes we are healed. But most of what he's talking about, and I believe in divine healing in this life, but what he's mostly talking about here, as you're going to see, is about the forgiveness of our sins that we could have eternity with him. And that's part of his invitation. He, he, on the invitation is he made it possible so that it could happen. Because without him, you see, we didn't choose God, he chose us. Because if he didn't choose you, you would not have a choice. There's nothing you could do. Think about that. You know, a lot of people said, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. You just became aware. He's always been there. He's always been inviting you. Because you could, without him, you would never have a choice. If Jesus didn't die on the cross, there's nothing you could do in this life to earn salvation, to make your way there. So I have a choice because he first chose me. says surely speaking of jesus he took up our pain and and bore our sins and th those words translates that he carries he takes that our suffering it's our suffering that he died for he says yet we considered him punished by god stricken by him and afflicted but then verse five goes on to tell us it's not it wasn't god punishing him it's really us that he suffered for. You know why he was nailed to that cross? Because of me, not because of God. He was nailed to that cross and whipped and beaten and uh, everything that he went through because of me. Not because that's what God wanted him to do. That God wanted to punish him, that, that Jesus would have done something wrong. No, he... That old saying... Three nails held him to the cross. You could have pulled those three nails out and he still would have stayed there. It's his love for you that held him there. He goes on to say, verse 5, but he was pierced, why? For our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punish that brought who? Us, not God. You see, everything he done was for us. And it's the invitation from God that you could receive the free gift of salvation because of what Jesus did for us. He says that the punishment that brought us peace was laid on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus all the iniquity of us all. 
We have gone away. But God never gives up. I think of the prodigal son. That as he went on his own way and done his own thing. And he, he finally realized when he was in the pig pen. That he could return back to the father. And I, I always am amazed at the thing that. You know a lot of times. As parents or things we may want to tell our kids. I told you so. Right? <laughs> well, or somebody I told you so. I told you this would happen. You didn't listen to me. Things. But the father, when he seen his son from way off, actually ran and met him. He didn't say, I'm going to wait here. See, he's longing for you to run to him, for it to come back to him. He's there wherever. I love how his mercies and follow me every day of my life. That he's, he's right there waiting for us to turn. He's always offering this salvation. It says, we have all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And this is where we see in John 3.16. And I always like to read through verse uh, 18 where it says this. If you put it up on the screen. I know it's not in your notes. It says, for God so, what? Loved. Loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is part of that invitation. You see, without this, the invitation couldn't have went out. This is part of the invitation. He says, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to do what? To condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And that's where we find ourselves, uh, as we read in Ephesians, that uh, as for you, you were dead in your sins and your transgressions. We are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, but God sent His Son. He took all my pain, all my mess-ups, all my sin, and he placed them on Jesus, and Jesus carried them to the cross. And Jesus suffered and died on the cross so that I may gain access to a relationship with the Father again. Luke 13, 3 says this. Jesus tells this, and just to throw in context, because it only says, I tell you no, Jesus is telling them, telling the people he's speaking to, the people he's speaking to were kind of complaining about other people and saying, oh, these sinners over here, oh, they're so bad. Oh, 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 they're, they're these sinners over here. And, and Jesus says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you, you too will all perish. In other words, he's telling them that you can't compare yourself to other people. How many of you have heard somebody say, well, at least I'm not as bad as. At least I'm not like that person. At least I'm not like that person. But Jesus was telling them, I don't care how bad they were, unless you believe and accept me as Lord and Savior, you too shall perish. Because no one could earn salvation. It's not by works. Now, 2 Peter 3.9 says this about the Lord coming back. 
He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. But many people, and we humans, again, because of our time frame, think, oh, Lord, what are you waiting for? Why you didn't come back yet? And I, I always, again, I, I say this all the time, but it's so true. I'm so glad that, you know, uh, even from the beginning, his disciples, Jesus' disciples thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. But every generation has always said, oh, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. It's going to be soon, it's going to be soon. But it, this is saying God's not slow as we think slow. We, you know, I just thank God that he didn't come back before I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And are we not selfish if we pray, Lord, come quickly? Right? Lord, please come and, get, and rapture us and get us out of this mess. I don't care about those people that haven't heard about you. I don't care about those people that haven't been saved. Isn't that a selfish thought? Lord, come quickly so I could get out of this mess, but I really don't care about those other people. That's their problem. Like I said, I'm, I'm so glad God didn't, uh, Jesus didn't return to earth in the 1970s or 1980 because I would have missed it. You see, and that's what this scripture is telling us. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as, we, as some understand slow, slowness, as we understand how we want him to work. Instead, he is patient with you. He was patient with me, and he's patient with the, with the rest of the world that is perishing right now, not wanting anyone to perish. Think about that. It's God's will that none should perish. You see, but God's will isn't always done on earth. Right? Why, that's why Jesus prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, if God's will would be done on earth, everyone would be saved. Because it's His will that none should perish. But He invited the invitations for everyone. He's just waiting for everyone to have a chance to accept it, to, to take that invitation. Right? If you get an invitation in the mail to somewhere and you just, you know, take it and you throw it like with some junk mail and put it on the side, you never know you're invited. You've been invited. It may sit on the counter for a month, but until you open it, do you realize that you now have an invitation? And I think about that through my whole life and things that so long in my life, I never knew I needed a Savior. And my wife could attest to this. So she, she, in the beginning, used to say, I used to tell her, oh, I'm all right with Jesus. Me, we okay. I know who he is. But I didn't accept him as Lord and Savior because I didn't know I needed a Lord and Savior. I thought I was good enough on my own. I used to say, oh, I go to church every Sunday. I, go, I do all these things growing up. You know, like God's there when you walk through church that he's, Stamps a little book. Okay, they're here and look. Oh, they, they made a certain percentage, so they're going to heaven. No. It's we need the blood of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection uh, and receiving uh, this for our forgiveness of our sins. So it says, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but who? Everyone to come to repentance. For everyone to come and see. See, that's the message today. Come and see. Uh, I was thinking of how you say that in French. Viens voir ici? That's what we, I couldn't have typed that one. I, I could have tried, tried to see how uh, uh, Microsoft would have tried to autocorrect that spelling. Viens voir ici. But that's what this message is about. 
and we're going to see Jesus uh, in a minute talking to a few people and basically saying, Kepsi, I want to show you what you can experience. I want, I want you to see this. So quickly, Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. I want to talk about in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is written more toward the, toward the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And in the New Testament, it kind of takes a, a turn as in making it personal for each person. But it showed how God dealt with a nation. And then it, in the New Testament, is God dealing as, with us as individuals. But this is as God dealing with Israel uh, in Hosea. Hosea is a prophet, and he uh, brings a word of the Lord. And this is what I want you to understand, that as a nation... Israel constantly turned from God, but does that, that does not mean that there weren't believers in the nation of Israel that served God. But it meant as a whole nation, it kind of went away. Can, can I just say like America today? Right? We're a room full of believers. We, you can't say America doesn't have believers that worship God and love God, but as a nation, we're moving away from God. And, and as believers, we want to pray and return to God and bring our nation back. This nation was started as one nation under God. And you see, we have to live our life. And when you see laws being passed that are contrary to biblical standards, what that tells you? You're moving away from God, not to him. But Israel had once again, the nation moved away from God. And this is the word that uh, came from Hosea in Hosea 6, chapter 1. And here's that invitation. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. Let us go back to the Lord. Come, let us return to him. And then he goes on to say, for, for he has torn us to pieces. But if we return, he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds if we return to him. And I believe as a nation, don't ever discount how much God values you in this nation. How much prayer counts. How much prayer works and moves the heart of God. You know, I, I, I was thinking about when God went to destroy the town of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham said he knew his son, uh, uh, his nephew was in there in their family. And he says, would you destroy the whole city if 50 righteous were found? And God said, no, I won't. Because if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy the whole city city and then he kept going down to 40 30 what if only 10 righteous were found and the lord says no i'll spare that city for the 10 righteous so i want you to understand that god honors believers now you see the problem with sodom and gomorrah there weren't 10 believers to be found lot's family he moved them out and then he destroyed it but there are millions of believers in this country. We may go through things in this country, but God will not destroy this country, I don't believe. Because throughout history, throughout the Bible, you see God sparing 
the, the righteous, even though the wicked are around. Right? What happened with uh, Noah and the ark? The world was wicked again, but Noah, fought, Noah was considered a man of God, and God spared them. See, God won't bring destruction on the believers. We may go through things in life. And I don't know, I wasn't even supposed to go here. But maybe somebody needs to hear that. Just remember, God loves you and he'll protect you. God won't punish you because of the wicked. He, he, he'll help our, well, our country may go through something. I don't know what, what is going to be the outcome. But uh, you know what? No matter what the outcome is, I will always praise him. I will always pray to him and I will always worship him. Amen. So let, let's go on from there. Let, let's go to John chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. This is where the, I really started getting most of this message of, of where, it here, where it becomes personal. In verse 35, it says, The next day John, speaking of John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. Now this is two of John's disciples, two, two guys that were following John the Baptist around. When he saw Jesus passing by, when John saw him, he looked and said, look, the Lamb of God. Now, I want you to understand that when he made that statement, it meant a lot to those two men. You see, when, when he's talking about the Lamb of God and all the Jewish culture with the Passover celebration, and that's what we're communion is celebrates about talking about the Passover, when, when uh, Moses was in Egypt, and God was sending the death angel uh, to come across the nation. God told Moses, he says, take a uh, spotless lamb, sacrifice it, and take the blood of that lamb and place it on the door post of the house. And every house that has the blood of the lamb, the death angel would pass over and not bring death in that household because of the sacrifice of that lamb. And this is, this is what's, what they, they celebrated Passover celebration every year, and they all knew this in their mind. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God. And these two men, it grabbed them, and they realized, You know what? We need to know more about this God. And then he says this, it says, when uh, he saw Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God, verse 37 says, when the two disciples heard him say this, they what? Followed Jesus. Now, I don't know how far they went, but Jesus finally noticed, hey, look, who's, who's these two guys following me here? So Jesus turns around. Jesus saw them follow, following and asked. Now, notice these two things. He asked them, what do you want? But a better translation of those words is he was saying, what are you seeking? See, what do you want comes like a handout. But a better translation of the actual uh, original words is what are you seeking? You see, they were seeking the Lamb of God that could truly take away the sins of the world. And he asks them, what are you seeking? And they, they answer, they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, and it was a, a form of respect. Where are you staying? 
And, and this is key also. This also translates better uh, into where are you dwelling or where is your presence? So when you, when you think about Jesus' asking them, he says, you know, what do you want? In other words, he's saying, what is your desire? What are you seeking? And they kind of answer him, we're seeking your presence. We're seeking to be in the presence of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, Jesus says this, Come on, come, he replied, and you will see. Think about this. He says, come and you will see. What is that? An invitation. He says, come on. Come on down. You're the next contestant. I want to just jump to Revelations 3.20 right here with this invitation. And then we'll come back to this verse. It's on the screen. It's not in your note. Notice what it says here. Jesus, Jesus is speaking. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. What is a knock? It's to let you know someone's there and it's an invitation to accept or reject the person at your door. Come on, I know some of you have already had somebody knock on the door and you were hiding. Oh, no, no, not them, not them. (laughs) He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. In other words, fellowship is going to be made. If you answer that invitation. So let's go back to where we were, verse 39. Jesus says, come, he replied, and you will see. And then notice these next three words. So they went. See, they could have said, never mind. No, it's getting late in the day. We don't really have time. In other words, an invitation was given to them, and they accepted it. The invitation from Jesus was given. He says, come and see. And they accept the invitation, and they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, the very next verse I want you to notice They went, they uh, stayed with him. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two men. He was one of John's disciples. Andrew was one of John's disciples who happened to be Simon Peter's brother. Everyone knows us, Peter. And the Bible says, uh, heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And notice verse 41. The first thing Andrew did. Why do you think it's the first thing he did? Because he knew it was the most important thing he could ever do. He just leaves the presence of the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and he runs to his brother Peter, who we all know in the Bible. But Andrew says this, he, he, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ, the anointed one. And verse 42 says, and he brought him to Jesus. You see, when we take communion here in a minute, 
Jesus makes a statement at the Passover, the Last Supper, the Passover Supper, where they're remembering uh, in the past. And he says, Take, uh, Luke 22, verse 17. He says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst you. Now notice, Jesus didn't go around and give each person the, a cup. He says, I'm giving to you, and what I'm giving to you, I'm making you responsible to give to someone else. Take this and divide it amongst you. Take this and don't hold on to it, but share it with the next person. What did Andrew do? The first thing he did was went share what he had heard the Messiah say. You see, as believers, it is our responsibility to share the salvation of Jesus Christ. God has ordained us to share. He has made us ambassadors to represent him on this earth. And the Lord is not slow in coming back because there are so many that still need repentance. But if we don't go tell them, how will they know? I was 20-something years old before I ever heard the first salvation message that I could remember. Remember earlier, I was saying I thought I was okay, but I didn't know I needed a Savior. I thought just because I walked through Holy Rosary's doors that I was saved, that I would go, go to heaven. If I died, I was certain of it. But how wrong was I? Because I never knew I needed to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. You see, Jesus is also referred to as our shepherd and we are the sheep. Where do other sheep come from? If a shepherd wants more sheep, where do other come, sheep come from? Sheep make sheep. Right? Sheep make sheep. The shepherd don't make sheep. The shepherd tends to the flock. But it is the responsibility of the sheep to make other sheep so the flock would grow. And that's where he's saying, take this and divide it. What if the first guy at the table would have said, no, I'm just holding on to it? What do you think Jesus would have told him? He would have said, look, it's not just for you. What I give is what I've come here for, and this symbolically is for everyone. And what I give you, you must share with others. You must tell them. And again, what he's saying here in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he says, he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And he was beginning to change the narrative of the Passover. He was saying in the past, every year when you celebrated the Passover, you were remembering when, you, when Moses killed the, the uh, spotless lamb and put it over the doorpost. He says, but from this moment forward, I am the lamb of God. Don't remember that whenever you celebrate communion, whenever you celebrate the Passover, remember it's Jesus's body.
So here's the question that I ask everyone is who is he? Mark 8, 27, 20, and 29 says, Jesus and his disciples went into the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? I've done a message a, a few weeks back on this of Jesus is who he says he is, not who you want him to be. See, because when Jesus asked that question, they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're this prophet, some say you're that, some say you're a great teacher. You see, in our minds, we could have a wrong image of who he truly is. They say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. So that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Who is he? Is he truly the Messiah, the anointed one from God that comes to take away all our sins? Do we truly believe that? Then the next thing I want to talk about is that we need to accept his invitation. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 says, Come to me. Here's an invitation. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Now, what he's talking about there is, is not really, again, the, the troubles in this life, but he's talking about the sins under the, the distress and weight of your sins in this world, the, the consequences of your sin. He says, when life, this life is getting too much, he says, come to me. The consequences of your sin and all these things, he says, bring it all to me. And he says, get yoked with me, being connected with me. I don't have time to really go into the yoke, but uh, one of the yokes they had was when cattle would pull together, they'd put that yoke over them that would connect. When, when this cow, cow would go that way, cow, cattle, I don't know what they are, uh, <laughs> the, both of them, would they go in the same direction. And Jesus says, you need to hook up with me, be yoked with me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because we cannot earn salvation, it is a free gift from God. And it says that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not, for, not from yourselves, it is the gift from God. That's what Jesus was talking about, about salvation, that it's impossible with man, but all things are possible through him. Grace means what? That you are giving, given something you don't deserve. God's mercy on our life is where he doesn't punish us when we deserve punishment. Uh, God's mercy is shown by what he done to Jesus on the cross. That he, he, he placed my sins and my burdens on him on that cross. But his grace is that he gives me eternal life. I, I've, I've heard a story that to me says it the best. Is that a man finds out that his child was murdered by someone. And when that man that murdered comes out of prison, 
he goes find the man. And he says, I know you killed my son. My son died because of you. And he says, you know what? I forgive you. I don't hold it against you. That is mercy being shown. But grace is, takes it to a whole nother level. Grace is if that man would tell him, now come to my home. Not only do I not hold against you that you killed, that my son is dead because of you, that he died because of you, but he says, coming to my home and everything that was my son's is now yours. See, that's the grace of God. He looks at us and says, you know, you deserve punishment, but I'm going to let my son suffer on the cross for you. And not only will I not hold it against you, everything that you're going to share in the inheritance of my son. That's God's grace toward us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by work, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works with God prepared for us to do in advance. Again, you are not saved by works, but you are saved for works. There's a big difference. You are not saved by your works, but you are saved for works. God, when Jesus says, take this and divide it amongst you, that's the greatest work you could ever do, is to lead another person to Christ, to share the gospel with that person. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, about salvation. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Now notice there's two things. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now many people talk about, oh, you, you, you don't need to say a prayer to be saved and I understand that reasoning behind it, but there are two things here. You know, and, and there's no one salvation prayer that you have to say exactly, but you have to have these two elements. is believe in your heart and profess with your mouth. He didn't say you do one or, one or the two, whichever one you choose. He says, to be saved, you must do this. Now, now think about why he's saying this. Can I, can, can I say that I could profess something with my mouth but know it's not true in my heart? Okay, I'm going to say something. I got 12 dozen donuts from Mr. Ronnie's for each and every person in here. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> now, I, I said it with my mouth, but is it true? No. So I, should, I almost shouldn't have said that. It's getting close to lunch. Y'all go. But to let, that's an example to let you know, I could say something, I could profess something, but it not really be true. So there's lots of people, I believe, in this world that profess to be Christians, but it's not really true. So I, I, could, I could say something with my mouth, but it not be true in my heart. And I also could believe something in my heart, but not say it in, out my mouth. Let me ask this question, and believe me, I, I, I was the same way uh, when I first got saved. One of the hardest things to do is to share the gospel. 
We could talk about weather with anybody. We could talk about sports with anybody. We could talk about anything with anybody. But when it comes to share the gospel, do you see that's a spiritual thing? How you could feel so comfortable to talk about LSU, uh, uh, whatever, any sports things or the weather or anything. But when it comes to speak about salvation, you just can't talk. You see, that's part of being able to speak it. We not only believe in our heart, but we share it out loud. So we have to believe in our heart and confess it. And that's where we're saying that you only could confess with your mouth by speaking. So that's why we lead people in a prayer. It's not a word-for-word prayer that saves you, but it's something you believing with your mouth, with your heart, and then professing with your mouth. That's what we believe that is scriptural for salvation. Okay? So, lastly... Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. I love this, this verse of scripture here. It's one of my favorites. It says, for this reason, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He says, ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus. Now, he's speaking to people who were saved. He's, he's talking about ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers and he says this i keep asking the god of our lord jesus the glorious father that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better you see when we first come to accept jesus christ as lord and salvation the we're infants in the spirit and we need to learn about God. It's not, it's not, I say a sinner's prayer and I just want to walk away. And I never come back. You see, it's about learning and growing and becoming more, uh, know, knowing God much better. Verse 18 says, I pray that, your, uh, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you. And think, think about all those things. Why is he praying this? Because it's not actually seeing it in the people yet although they are believers he's saying i need you to mature i need you to see the true hope and the true calling god has placed on your life he says uh, in order uh, verse 18 i pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches to his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that, that, that power is the same mighty strength he exerted in, uh, when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in the right hand of the heavenly realms. So as we get ready to receive communion, Brother Mark, if you can go get Michelle's class, I just want to share with you that this is an invitation that God gives to everyone. Is symbolic of what happened on the cross. That Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me now. His body and blood. You don't have to be a member of Christian Fellowship Church to receive communion here. And we just ask that you're a born again believer. That you accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior. 
And what we're going to do here is I'm going to ask everyone just to stand. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer where we're just confessing, believing in your heart. If you believe in your heart, what we shared this morning, that you just come to realize you need a Savior, and we're going to help you confess with your mouth. So you may be saved, and then you're, you're welcome to receive communion with us. So I just ask everyone just to bow your head and say this simple prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead and seated at your right-hand side. I invite Christ to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. What we're going to do for communion this morning is we're going to ask you to come down the side aisles to the front. Um, they're individually wrapped in things, which we've been doing for a while now. Again, we ask that one person per family come up to kind of hold down the crowds. Uh, the one person grab enough for your whole family that you're sitting with and then return to your seat and we'll receive the emblems together. So, Brother Aaron, if you go ahead and start the CD, if you would come down the, center, the side aisles, then go back down the center aisle. two seals on your communion. The first one will get open up for you can get the wafer and then the second one will open up for the juice. But I just want to read from Luke chapter 22 starting in verse 14. When the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he says I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Uh, I love that that he says eagerly. Because he knew what was about to happen in his life. He knew he was about to go to that cross. But he says, I'm the Father's invitation. And it's through me 
you can have eternal life in heaven. He says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Verse 17 says, After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after he took the, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Father, we just come here today. We humble ourselves before you. Father, we thank you for you willingly giving your son for my sins. Father, we never want to take it lightly when we come and receive the emblems. But to remember the price that was paid. The nails, the scars, the whippings, the beating that he took in our place. So you could invite us into your kingdom through Jesus, your son. Father, we love you too. Never let us take it lightly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, you can receive the emblems. Again, I just want to remind you, if any of you are available on Wednesday, December 23rd, to help deliver gifts to children, uh, please see me after service right there, and I'll get with you. If not, God bless you. We love you. Stay safe. We'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. Yeah, you crucified.